You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. How's your 2020 been going, Nick? Bro, remember when that movie 2012 came out? Yeah. And uh, it was like John Cusack and it was like the major, you know, it was like tidal waves and shit. Nobody saw it because everyone was like, there's A, I don't want to see John Cusack running from tidal waves as much as I love I forgot it was John Cusack, to be honest. Don't ever forget that. B, uh, it's never going to (laughs) happen. Remember that? Remember that? Remember feeling like, oh, we got through Y2K. It's never going to happen. Right. We're, we've moved beyond it as a as a society, the potential for a global shutdown. There's no way. There's no way. Chowetel Edu4. Now, a, a tidal wave sweeping through Tibet seems unlikely still. I still don't think that the monks in the Himalayas have anything to worry about in terms of the Pacific Ocean coming to reclaim its territory. But <laughs> but what do we know? <laughs> like, what do we know? My favorite prevailing theory on the internet is that 2012 happened. Mm-hmm. In 2012, the world ended. Yeah. And we've just been living this continuous nightmare ever since. And we're just swirling the drain until people just, you know, disappear. Oh, let me tell you, if this is a nightmare, wake me the fuck up, please. Please. Jesus Christ. You know, time for a little justice. Little Justin, little Justin, little Justin. Fuck yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this thing that we call Little Justice. I am Nick Walker. That's Alex Smolo. That's my, my best friend, my confidant, uh, my, my brother in cynicism and arms. Uh, this is, uh, our podcast, Little Justice. I know everyone and their grandmother has a podcast these days, but, uh, you know, we figured, uh, we don't, so let's do it. And it, what's, what's funny about this too is it is our, it has to be five millionth attempt at getting this thing off the ground. Um, you know, I wouldn't say five million, but we did it successfully years ago. We did. We did. And then, we, and then we decided to restart it. You, your, your life's been going all over the place the last few months, jumping yeah. around Yeah, my career wise, work, work wise. So, so we, we tried and then it cooled off and now we're back and we ha- we have a little more free time than we did. Yeah. We, we, last have, week. we do have a little free time because, uh, this podcast, this is being recorded uh, in the wake of what can only be described as a paradigm shift in uh, human existence, um, <laughs> a global a global pandemic, as it were, um, that has shut that's down. Not an over exaggeration. It is not even. It that's, is, no, that's the yeah. that's straight fact. It is shut down. That's straight fact. It has shut down so many um, countries, and including ours. And I think that we, you know, we are right now in this place where. We didn't, you know, I think, I think, you know, Italy was trying to tell us this, you know, stage one is you hear about it in another country and you're like, oh, what the fuck is that? And you don't really take it seriously. And stage two is it starts creeping in and you're like, oh, well, okay, some people are getting sick, but whatever. And then I think we're at stage three or four, which is like, oh, no, no, this is here. And this is, yeah, it's this re- is here. This is real. This is real. It'll stick around 
forever, but you know, we'll have a way to fight it eventually. eventually. But for now, please, I hope you're listening to this in your home Dude, with your loved ones. I hope everyone yeah, is, pl- is safe. Please stay, please stay yeah. safe. Please. If you, you know, if this is uh, and, yeah, yeah, you know, and this is people don't need, we don't need to inundate with, with no, you, the general, you, everyone's getting it yeah, every, from, from left, right and center. You've, uh, you've heard these what things. I'm, what I'm curious about. So, so a lot of people here, Nick are here cause they know you from your, your career on Broadway, which is yeah. one of the first major industries. Yep. It was like the NBA and then Broadway. Mm-hmm. Uh, went dark mm-hmm. for the first time. What, what has that ever happened before? So the only time that this has really happened was 9-11. And that was for two days. So it has never happened like this. For two days. Two days. So right 9-11, they shut down Times Square for two days after 9-11, then opened it right back two up? Two days, opened it right back up. And it was the kind of thing where, you know, I remember as a kid, actually, I remember the advertisements because it was back when the producers had just started on or maybe. Yeah, I think they just started on Broadway. They put out, you know, they after the two days were up, they got a bunch of like the broad leads of Broadway shows together and put, you know, put them up, filmed them in a commercial that was basically just like welcoming people back to the city. And it was like this cool thing. And. You know, I, I don't, you know, I wasn't involved in the industry at the time, so I don't know how long it took for the recovery. But I think one of the things that, you know, uh, sidetracking from our from our, our actual purpose on this podcast for a second, just to talk about this, you know, world changing thing. I think one of the things that is so crazy with my industry is the uncertainty, because this thing came along at a time when so many, you know, Broadway, the way our schedule works, so many shows are opening up in February, March, April, May. And the whole point is open up and get your brand ready before the Tonys so that when, by the time Tonys come, you have the popularity to, you know, get noticed and get awards and, and thusly get some sort of kind of, uh, momentum going so that you can be a a show that runs along again. So now for a lot of these shows, you've completely kind of taken away their runway and, if they open at all after this this kind of blackout is done, um, they will have a. If I, I don't even are Tony still happening? Yeah, Do you it, mean it like changes the momentum? I mean, I was thinking about that for people. I, I'm I'm sure as every year, there's somebody who it's their first big yep chance. Oh, dude, it's their first show is opening. I mean, this is your first lead role on Broadway. Um, yeah, on Broadway. Yeah, uh, so it it it's for you in a sense, and and it it. I remember when South by Southwest was the first major event to close. They said they were not going to do it. Everyone freaked out for a second. And I was thinking that's that's such a launching pad for so many filmmakers, for so many musicians. It's such a big opportunity to just be invited to to present your yep. work there and to see that ripple out, amplify across all the rookies in their first season in the NBA and the NHL and the, you know, people whose this is their moment. Yeah. This is what they've been building their whole life to, to just see it moved around. I, I hope that there continue to be outlets and platforms for uh for people so oh, if yeah. you know any anybody who wants to come on talk movies with us you should uh you know nothing starts your career up like a guest spot on little justice on little justice i mean and and that you know that that, that brings up two two things that we should definitely mention number one um you know i think this is definitely the time if you have the means if you have the means to give to give to any platform that is trying to support artists athletes, anybody, because there's so many small businesses, your local businesses, your local businesses are going to be hurting right now. Um, Anything that you can do. And I know that people 
who um, have been, you know, kind of uh, uh, supporting me for a while. I know you guys have the best hearts, so uh, I, I, you know, I, I know that you will give. Um, but the other thing that, that brings us to is, what is this podcast? I'm I'm dying to find out, dude. Me too. I have no <laughs> freaking clue. Um, you know, if you know, here's what I will say. So if you, you know, I, like like Alex said, I've been very fortunate enough to have a a career on the on the stage um, that has now spanned almost a decade, which is kind of scary uh, to think about. Uh, that I'm I'm an old man, but I am. Um, but uh, essentially, you know, me and Alex became good friends. This is my best friend of probably I'd say. God, I think it's I think it's at least ten years now. More than that. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a lot. Yeah, ten, eleven years. Ten, eleven years. We're old. We're old. Um but one of the, but the thing that brought us together, uh, originally was our love of films, love of movies. Alex is an amazing filmmaker, an amazing uh film analyst, editor, um, you know, and I, I just love movies. I, I've written, you know, a couple of screenplays here and there, but I'm mostly at this point I'm just kind of like a someone who just loves the art form um, and and just loves, you know, and if, if I end up in that sphere myself one day, I will not complain, but um, yeah, I just love movies. And we, so much of our friendship has been going back and forth and just giving each other shit about movies and, and kind of identifying each other as people with the movies that, excuse me, that we love. And so we had this idea for this podcast that was just, you know, movie discussion and and so many there's so many movie discussion podcasts out there right now so we were thinking what can make ours different and i think the thing that we came to and correct me if i'm wrong alex was just the fact that you know our friendship is one that is based solely on uh almost kind of uh uh gladiator style combat uh a uh, wit um sharp you know barbs on each other uh, made the best man win uh, you know, one, we cannot both be happy at the same time. We have to take each other out. If yeah, if well, if you're happy, I'm doing something wrong. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he's you know, and if he's happy, then I'm doing you know, I'm doing something wrong. And I think that that's so. We realize that the best way for a podcast uh, for the two of us would be to almost have a uh, not a debate, but to so uh, pick pick a theme. Um, you know, what, whatever that whatever that theme of the week tends to be. Uh, whether it's villains, whether it's uh, tragic hero, whether it's, uh, you know, this week's theme, which I think is going to be so amazing. Um, and we both come up with examples of what that theme is the best in our mind, our favorite or the best examples, um, and obviously come with proof of that. Um, so that's how these are generally going to work. You know, I think that we also, you know, just, just kind of teeing you guys up for what to expect. We're also very crazy and, 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 you know, and tangential people. So I feel like there will be tangents. I don't, you know, I think, I think if you're, this is one of them. Yeah, this is absolutely one of them. Motherfuckers shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? I think if you're, I have, I let me speak. Speak. What do you want to say? Please. Well, I'm just, I'm just laying, this is the exposition. I'm laying the ground. Please lay, lay the groundwork. You know, fascinating. Pat paving the road. Uh, so, you know, but yeah, just, if you're buckling up for this, buckle up for some, some movies, some, uh, some fireside chats, and two uh, friends, a black man and a white man, who could not hate each other's guts more. Uh, and I think that's everything you need. I mean, that's like that's fucking everything you need. Pulp Fiction right there. You know what I mean? Everything you need. Everything you need. One of the things I love about movies is how uh, subjective it is. Mm. Somebody, you know, people like them for different reasons. Good ones, you experience multiple times and get something different each time in it. And 
across so many genres and themes and it's sort of an endless topic of discussion. So yeah, this as a platform for that is, uh, that's exciting. It's hanging out exciting. with my best friend. Dude, don't touch me. World. Don't touch me. Don't look at me. We talk about this. No eye contact. We don't do eye contact here. No eye contact. No, guys. Well, luckily, I, so I'm in, I'm in California. You're in New York. Yeah, so we Can't don't have to. Be farther apart. Yeah, good. Thank God. Good, you fucking Thank asshole. God. Jesus. So, what, so Alex, what's our theme today? It's a little fitting. We figured we should probably kick this thing off. Uh, it'll either be a two-parter or it'll be a really long who knows? Pilot episode. Who knows? Our third pilot episode that we that third. We have so many trials. Uh, given given the nature of everything right now, we thought it would be interesting to dig into the disaster movie, <laughs> the disaster film. If Jesus you were alive Christ. in the '90s, you know exactly what we're talking about, bro. Every film was a disaster in the '90s, and we're gonna try to split it up between two types of disaster movies. Here, you've got your uh, your natural disaster. Mm-hmm where uh, there is an insurmountable natural force mm-hmm. uh, that's coming to destroy us all, and yeah. can we overcome it? And a man-made disaster where uh, it is somebody's fault, mm. singular or plural, somebody, somebody has put us in this position. I think the disaster movie is defined by a plurality of people being put into a situation and having to find their way out. Uh, you don't see many disaster movies that are focused on one person. Usually it's one person surrounded by civilization. It's usually an ensemble. Yeah, an ensemble piece. Usually it's ensemble. Yeah. There are there yeah. are exceptions to that for sure. You know, I was trying to figure out, like, is, is something like Die Hard a disaster movie? What was it you said to me before? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, it's a, a bunch of people in danger. Uh, there is a disaster happening, but it's it's a short amount of time and not that many people. I mean, well, I think it's interesting, too, because, you know, you look at Die Hard and you're talking about, um, you know, something that was essentially, you know, towering Inferno, but with but with the plot of a fucking, you know, a cop drama in there or a cop, like right. a cop, like action cop movie in towering Inferno. So was there ever like a Poseidon adventure that was mixed with Die Hard. I'm sure there will, will speed to cruise control, obviously. You know, so I think that that is definitely a gray area um, in terms of, you know, yes, there are certain, you're certainly not going to see a disaster movie that, that, has an ens, that has a less than ensemble cast. However, what blurred it for me, and this is where I think you might have blurred it as well, is the line between man-made and natural is yep. so thin. You so thin. The thinnest device. The thinnest device. Um, name that movie, by the way. I don't remember it. Now I lost the, it. The thinnest device. It's it's the thinnest of ice. It's actually not from a movie. Oh. It's from an SNL sketch. It's from Ham and Bubbly. John Ham. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Look it up though. It's fucking hilarious. If you haven't seen Ham and Bubbly with John Ham and uh, Michael Bublé, uh, but yes, thin line between natural disaster and. Uh, and man-made. And why why do you think that that is if you had to analyze it? Because I think that so many and this is you know this kind of gives away my choices. But I think that specifically with a natural disaster, I think that so much of what we discover, like we're look at this is not what I chose, but Everest, right? I can't feel my hands. Looking good. Grab me. Grab me. Stay right where you are, mate. A natural man, man versus nature movie. However, 
they made the choice to climb Everest. They continuously make choices which are stupid in the face of climbing Everest and thusly right. get themselves into a disaster. So I think when you're talking about man-made versus natural, I find that the natural disaster is often the tipping point. You know, it's it's almost like they've made enough man-made mistakes and then yep. you get to the finally the, the nature comes in and it just says fuck you you're done. You know, which is part of the the hilarity and ridiculousness of it all because like you're watching these people do stupid ass shit for the first 30 to 45 minutes of your film and then oh finally there's something that's going to you know stop them they could have they could have done this at any time could have turned it around at any time you know i mean any good story i think revolves around around us right around people and humans mm-hmm. and conflict in relationships and love in rivalry and all these things i think the difference in some of these movies is you're right like is that human conflict the reason that they're in peril mm-hmm. or is the disaster being used as uh, an outside villain to test the internal metal mm-hmm. of the characters. And I think so often, I think it's the latter. I think that's what makes the line thin is that it, it truly is the, the nature is, is usually a test of the human element. I'm finding that the best ones tend to do that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so do you want to dive in with choices, buddy? Buddy, old pal, old uh, buddy. Yeah, we can what, dive in with choices. What'd you choose, I, man? So, so we had talked about initially trying to pick one for each. Mm-hmm. My answer is the same movie for both. Well, I'm so, I so don't intrigued. Know that it's gonna work. No, I want it. You're, you're gonna hate me. I'm. I already hate you. You're gonna hate you. me. I fucking hate you. <laughs> you're literally like. So I, I wish I, you could I, see him. He has like the you know this fucking goatee beard thing. It's fucking I don't have gross. A goatee. It's it's the light. It's so, it's very it's very blonde Whatever. facial hair, so you look can only up. see the dark parts. It look, it makes me look like mm-hmm. I'm on The Walking Dead or something. Yeah. So let's start with you, because I'm gonna I'll go off on a tangent. So you you want me to say mine? Do you have two? I do, do have two. I oh I have two. No, I have two. So why friend. don't you do one? Great. You want sandwich mine in because that's the meat. That's what people are really looking for. And then uh, we'll don't ever descri- one on. don't ever don't ever describe anything that comes let's out. Sandwich of you your at, meat. No. Don't describe you as the meat of anything. Do you understand I'm, that? I'm the meat in this movie sandwich. You are the meat of hell. <laughs> <laughs> you are you are the meat in Satan's ass cheeks is what you are, sir. Uh, let me. Okay. Uh, okay. So what do you want? You want natural man-made? Because the natural uh, natural is going to piss you off. <laughs> let's start with natural. Great. It seems like a natural place to start. Don't ever. <laughs> Gross. Um, so... In choosing this movie, a lot of things went into my head. I thought, okay, looking at that line of man-made being, you know, the the flaws of man um, that are then uh, kind of pushed over the edge by a a natural a natural disaster or whatever it is, something you know, whatever the, the the straw that breaks the camel's back tends to be something of nature is more of a man-made movie, man-made disaster. And looking at that, I was like, okay, is there a movie that is just truly, the humans didn't do anything, they didn't like bring it on, you know what I mean? Like, it was just something that like happened and we have to watch these people figure it out. And the best example of that, the best example of something that like is truly like, a movie 
that does not allow, like, is not focused on the humans fucking it up. And about 4 a.m., I, I discovered this movie and I turned it on and, and watched it. And I was like, you know what? I think that's it. Last night? This morning. 4 a.m. this morning. Independence Day. Welcome to Earth. Okay. So, obviously, the first thing we have to address is uh, the aliens and how I consider them a natural disaster. Pentagon officials are reporting more ships have just arrived over the capitals of India, England, and Germany, bringing estimates up to anywhere from 10 to 15 of these city-sized spacecraft. I know, my just try and stay calm. And I consider it the, you know, yes, it is more, you could call it a war film, but I think that the, first of all, the thing that I loved about rewatching this film um, was that it, it okay, and this is kind of tangential, but it comes back to my point. The design of the aliens in Independence Day is so close to perfection, cannot be understated how much detail, because this was before CGI was a real thing. So we're dealing with models, right? We're dealing with like when they want to send a fireball going through Los Angeles or New York is the shot. It is not like they just CGI in the buildings. They literally build a scale model of New York and then they shoot flames up it at and, and film it at such a rate that it looks like a fireball movie. And you watch this shit and not only do these graphics hold up, but I think the biggest achievement of the design of these aliens is how natural and bug-like they seem. When we found them, they were wearing uh, some sort of biomechanical suits. But once we got them off, we learned a great deal about their anatomy. Eyes, ears, no vocal cords. We're assuming they communicate with each other through some other means. This is not about little green men. The whole point of this is to create something that just seems so... Like, because we're not, you know, again, we don't really get into, like, the alien technology of it we're not marveling at how amazing you know these you know like it's you know jeff goldblum who's who's kind of the brains of the outfit in this film you know uh there there's a version of this script where he is uh you know he could be just going through every piece of alien technology and marveling at how how intricate it is and how they did this and how they did that that's not the point here the point is something that is so massive and out of our element of thinking that we just, we can't defeat it. We can't comprehend it. There's no penetrable way in. These aliens themselves are, we can't get quite a, a lock on what they look like because we think we know what they look like. And then that's their body armor. They're, they're in fact insects. Like they kind of have this outer shell. And then the actual alien is driving this outer shell. Like there's so much about them that is, the whole point is to say it's just like too big for you to understand. Yeah. And and is that not nature? And and my favorite that where it really clicked for me was the first time that you see one of these, you know, when the ships start appearing appearing overhead. They don't even they make this great choice where they don't even look like ships. They just look like storm clouds rolling in. Right? Like you cuz the the ships are so massive. This is just their fucking dust plume. This is not even like 
the actual ship. It's just the smoke, but the smoke and the the fire that it takes to power these things is so much that to us, it just looks like the entire sky is a thunderstorm. And I was like, yeah. that's fucking badass and that's natural. And again, back to our point, in the first scenes that set up the world and the characters that we're going to be following, yes, these characters have flaws. Yes, you know, they, they're all like little quirky people that we can latch onto and see ourselves in. But nobody asked for this. Like maybe President Whitmore, you know, President Whitmore, the, the, uh, the Bill Pullman character, we get the sense from him, um, you know, he's his whole arc is that he, you know, when the movie starts, he's our president and he is a lame duck president. Like he is, you know, everybody has he hasn't really done anything with his presidency. Everybody's like, yo, this guy is the worst. He just has kind of sat there and played mediator and hasn't, you know, hasn't put a stamp on anything. So Independence Day for him presents an opportunity for him to like take a leadership position. But like that is the most kind of ask and you shall receive that this movie gets into. The rest of it is just like people who are thrust into the hood as they go. That's yeah. it. That's it. And I think that that I think that is kind of why it's in terms of a natural disaster. And again, could be a stretch to say this is natural because these are sentient beings. But but, you know, shit, well, there's tons of fucking, you know, River Wild. I mean, she fights a fucking bear. Do you mean like there's tons of movies where where nature is sentient, you know, and it's 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 just about, you know, a well, so how, how, let me. Let me ask how this lays against uh, because if you think about the the dramatic arc of this movie is very similar to a deep impact or an Armageddon, right? With the ensemble, uh, there's relationships, you know, father and son, father daughter, you know, lovers, friends, all these things, military, government, all, everything facing this giant natural disaster. What what does Independence Day do better to you uh, in terms of presenting that disaster than than one of those movies? Great fucking question. The first thing I'm going to say is, uh, no Elijah Wood. I'm the famous Leo Biederman, and I haven't used my fame for anything. Second thing I'm going to say is, no, I love Elijah Wood. I actually love, I actually love I, Elijah Wood. When, when Deep Impact came out, I think Lily Sobieski was like my first love. Oh, I yeah. That movie, like the tragedy of them to me as like a nine-year-old. They're like, oh, you have mm-hmm. to take care of your brother now, and we're riding off on the motorcycle. I was like, oh my god, like that is the deepest romance I've ever seen before. That's, that's the deepest impact, dude. <laughs> it's the, the deepest, deepest impact I've ever, a movie's ever had. Ever had. I talked to Civil Defense. They said if you and I got married, we'd be family, and I could get you in. But here's what I think. Here's here's why it stacks up higher. I think that when you look at it, you know, obviously, Deep Impact, Armageddon, two movies that come together where it's, you know. These these wonderful, you know, on the one hand, you have Michael Bay, Jerry Bruckheimer with with Armageddon coming in with like just things that would at, at this point we now know as like just pure Michael Bayisms, just America first coming in, fucking fucking this asteroid in the in the bum, like literally drilling a hole and raping this asteroid with a nuke. That is that is how Jerry Bruckheimer and Matt Michael Bay looked at it like that. Dude will now. You will now. It's it's full of phallic imagery. Imagery got Owen Wilson in there. That's all you need, um, you know. So on the one hand, I thought that was too. It was too light and cowboyish of a touch, and also like, I'm sorry, the acting in that film. If you ever, if guys, if you ever want like a true laugh, I want you to go back 
and look at some of the acting in Armageddon because the borderline Kabuki-esque performances of like <laughs> Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck, like two very subtle, very good actors who have just been asked, I can only assume by their director to like take everything up to a full 110%. You want to go home? Is that it? You want to be fired? No, I don't. My crew is doing the right thing. Your crew? Your crew just blew the transmission, AJ. Listen, that NASA computer is just playing it safe. The machine you built, the rig, can do it. Shut up. Back Shut up. Shut your face. And so that's why not Armageddon. I just think Armageddon, as much as I love it, as, and as it doesn't. I, it it, it, it loses yet. Yeah, the the threat of the asteroid goes yeah. up and down. It's more there to serve the the entertaining moments of the character's story instead of like, like in Independence Day. I feel like the entertainment comes from the insurmountable force. Like you want, they don't show you the aliens up close and personal all the time. Like you want to get a closer idea of what you're dealing with. You don't quite know what's possible the yes. whole movie. You don't know, and it builds and it know. builds and it builds until you're finally in the ship and you see the scale. That's the point, and and the whole movie's geared towards just figuring out what you're even dealing with. Whereas the asteroid was like, "Hey, oh, there's an asteroid. Okay, now we're in problem solving mode until the end of the movie. It's it's just do or don't we succeed." Also, working so hard to make an asteroid look like heavy metal, like oh my god, the, the asteroid like that went to fucking hot topic. It and just like, ended God. up looking like like the Astro Crag, <laughs> dude. <laughs> you know? Like the Astro Crag. Like they're all just on Legends of the Hidden Temple or something. And <laughs> that's exactly fucking fucking Jeff Probst is there. <laughs> like, come on out, guys. Come on. <laughs> First one to the top <laughs> gets to marry Liv Tyler. Like, oh God, dude. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is, man. Um, you know. So I think I think that is my my thing about the, that movie is just like in general. I think that yeah. they just went to a point where it was ridiculous. On the other end, with Deep Impact, I think that, that and again, critics have even said this, Deep, Deep Impact was just so heavy. Everything about yeah. Deep Impact is... is I, I love mean, Deep Impact. Oh, no, it's... I, a, like, I it, love it. Truly a beautiful film. And I think, I think that what, you know, because obviously in the arms race for asteroid movies, historically, Armageddon won. Armageddon got the bigger box office. Deep Impact was was famously fl- uh, drowned by Armageddon's uh, uh, you know kind of popularity, and it's not. It's 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 a much more reflective, slow burn. Like let's because truly... it's a, it's about the people. Like, Armageddon's yeah. about the asteroid. Yes, uh, and about how fun we can, how much fun we can have blowing it up. Yes, uh, and Deep Impact is is about. Literally, that the impact that the, a giant disaster that changes the entire world's outlook, how we work with each other, how we deal with each other, mm-hmm. our relationship, like what happens when the threat of global annihilation is uh, yeah. looming. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think it, it deals with it pretty well. There, there are it's still very Hollywood, but that's what it should be. A movie like that. My favorite, my favorite moments, quite is is the the group of astronauts with the uh, uh, Robert Duvall up there. Yeah. Uh, when they send him up, so they send Robert Duvall is supposed to be like this, you know, this astronaut who's like a hero astronaut, and they send him up with a crew of newbies to go and basically pull an arm again. And they, re- but they realize that they, there's no way, there's just no way they can do it. And and the moments when they finally are like coming to terms with that are some of the best moments in the movie. It's amazing. It's really no, and, truly, and, that, and that's not even about the asteroid. That's about Robert Duvall realizing that he's a dinosaur. 
and he needs to let the new school in. It's about the younger guys realizing that they need to, to, you know, shut up and listen for a second. It's about the future. It's all about, you know, the future, like that. What, what is the point of everything we're doing even before asteroids? What is, what is the reason? And it's, it's the future, you know, everything we do now is built for our kids and our grandkids and, and understanding the humanity in every decision that we make. And, yeah, no, it's a it's a beautiful film, and it, but it, but it's so. I will say the thing, the, yeah, it's heavy, and and I think that there's a way to balance out the heavy and the fun, and I think that that is you know. And here's what I'll say: I don't normally like a Roland Emmerich film. I the Patriot when it came out, like it's one of those films that you you watch now and you're like, ooh, really, really? Do you mean like really? Did we did we let this happen? Because like you know, leave the the fucking. Re- social ridiculousness aside uh from you know mel gibson playing a 17th or yeah it's 18th century plantation owner who uh his uh, had uh, freed his slaves but they chose to continue working for him because he was such a kind man we're gonna leave that alone mel gibson dream role mel gibson dream role also the fact that the british are basically uh death eaters uh, not that yep. uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, that's be- that, yeah, that's because Lucius Malfoy was the bad guy. He literally was the bad guy. <laughs> he literally um, was the bad guy. Then it's l- it's like what the hell is like? They're just monsters, and you're just watching this movie of like British sn- like terrorists versus like Mel Gibson's Australian brand of Americanism, and you're like Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't know what's happening here. Independence Day struck a very unique balance where like. It, it is – it's like absolutely has its over-the-head, hammy, campy moments of like the world coming together to b- beat this thing and has its – you know, has its shit that's just like, oh, this is ridiculous. Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? It's the wrong field, you idiot. But in general watching it. I think that you have a strong cast. I think you have a surprisingly unnecessarily strong script. Like the amount, the amount, you know, the thing that makes a disaster movie so interesting is that because it is such a big movie, you don't have room for subtlety. Um, it, you know, often I think that I think subtlety is the first thing to fly out the windows because you want to you want to make sure they get who these people are so that we can get to the good stuff. This movie. The amount of like setups and payoffs in the script, the the scene that gets me every time is what the the introduction of Jeff Goldblum's character playing chess with uh with his father. Um, so much information is you know he's playing chess and uh you know just in like in like just like a chess match, his father brings up like you know the fact that he's still wearing his wedding ring. So right there we know he's divorced. We they're playing chess. So right there we know he's a very smart person. Um. He's into recycling, so you know that he's about saving the world. Hey, do you have any idea how long it takes for those cups to decompose? If you don't move soon, I'm going to start to decompose. There's just these little things that are just very casually brought up that really help spell out his character and are done so fast. Um, I also think about, like, and this is partially portrayal, partially, uh, you know, like, the writing. You know, Harvey Firestein's character in it, who plays Jeff Goldblum's boss, like, we see him from maybe six minutes and yet when he dies like 
it's this horrible thing because it's it's funny because he's like in the you know he's trapped in a car and like there's a huge wall of fire coming at him he's like oh god and his Harvey Firestein beautiful voice <laughs> but you're also like oh no he's gonna die like this is terrible he's, he's very we like that guy oh crap you know like there's just they did a lot very efficiently and very quickly and I don't know if he's been I don't know if as a director and as a writer they've been able to do that since because I think about Godzilla this is the same team that brought us Godzilla the same team that brought us uh. Uh, not 2012, but Day After Tomorrow. So they've yep. they've had their share of like big disaster films. This is the one that I think came together the, the best. Yeah, I you know watching it, I was like, this is a, just a truly, it's fun but also emotional. Will Smith does it great. He's well cast. I find that like it's all about casting for Will Smith. Like not that he's not a brilliant actor, but like if you give him a role where it's like, yeah, he can he can have some fun. Like he can do his thing. He's great. He's excellent. Um, and this was one of those roles. It's like, yeah, you're fucking fire. And Jeff Goldblum and him have a crazy amount of chemistry. I don't even know why they have that chemistry. This is our victory dance. Not until the fat lady sings. Oh, yes, okay. This is important. Mm, fat lady, I gotcha. You know, it's it's kind of awesome. Bill Pullman is is wonderful. Everyone's wonderful. So yeah, I, I that that's where my mind went for natural disaster was independence, independence day, day. Yes, I, got I mean i know i've seen it 15 times but a 16th couldn't hurt the fourth of july will no longer be known as an american holiday but as the day when the world declared in one voice we will not go quietly into the night we will not vanish without a fight we're going to live on we're going to survive Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Mm -hmm. Couldn't hurt. All right, I hey. love it. I love Dude, it. Go. Hey, now it's your, now it's time for the meat. I was, like we've been talking about, I was trying to pull apart what qualified as man-made and natural. Mm -hmm. And all the ones that I had that I thought were the best for natural were kind of man-made and vice versa. And I thought mm -hmm. the best, the best movies are the ones that, approach that symbiosis that like everything is a metaphor for humanity and how we're involved in it and so when it's when it's kind of the hubris of man that leads us to disaster i think that's the thing um the, the first one that came to mind it's not what i'm choosing in the end but the first thing that came to mind was godzilla the original godzilla the whole concept i don't where, i don't mind that i don't mind that choice. where you know, as a as a movie, go back and watch the original 1954, I think it was, version. It's a really well-done ensemble film mm -hmm. trying to deal with this thing. They, they, you know, for such an old film, they do the ensemble very well and the progression of time very well. Uh, and if you zoom out from it, you know, as a metaphor for uh, nuclear weapons, it's this is post-World War II Japan. This movie's coming out. The consequences of nuclear weapons... Godzilla being a, a product of atomic tests in the Pacific and it spawns this, you know, monster and then everybody dealing with it. I think uh, Godzilla is is punishment, you know, mm -hmm. and then the movie is about trying to get past our sins and come together and atone and, and you know, con conceptually, I think Godzilla is a is a great disaster movie because it it does that. And, and there really is no focus on a – you know, the, the remakes have – focused on singular characters yeah. more than the ensemble and they're, you know, what's going on in Brian Cranston's heart right now. Um, when it doesn't really matter or Matthew what, Broderick. What, oh, you know, which remember is, Matthew? Doesn't even, 
I don't even Nick, know. Hank, Hank Nick, Azaria. <laughs> Nick Topopopoulos was, was his name. was ridiculous. Nick, Nick Topopopoulos. But as, as disaster movies go, even in natural disasters, I feel like having it be our fault is key. So I thought, okay, well, then the best natural disaster movie that incorporates us is one thing. And then the best our fault movie that, you know, wraps around a natural disaster. You're going to hate me for this, but here so it comes. Sick. Please. Hey, wait, wait, drum roll. It's Titanic. Buddy. Not only do I hate you, but that was my choice for man. Are you serious? For I'm man made? Serious. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So now we don't That's have to come choice. back to your man-made choice. So now, now the meat—it's—it's a—it's a—it's a, it's a bread meat meat sandwich. There's so much meat in this sandwich. Oh, dude, there's too much meat. Billy Zane alone is too much meat. Billy Zane is most of the meat. You could be blasé about some things, Rose, but not about Titanic. Right off the bat, let's get all the bullshit out because this movie sucks. <laughs> right? There uh, are gonna... elements. If you go back and you watch this movie. Uh, the actual Romeo and Juliet story is terrible. Oh, it's atrocious. Uh, the performances are fine, but the the characters are bad people who are irresponsible. Yeah. Uh, they're young and lustful, and uh, the actual main storyline is James Cameron's idea of <laughs> of yes. what romance is. Well, uh, this is yeah. This is his yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. We'll get into this. I th- I think that we can take that. Out, right let's just let's just take that storyline and just thread it like you're pulling the vein out of a shrimp jesus and just set it graphic. over there. graphic graphic uh, much you know just just pull it out everything else wrapped around this movie is is incredible and i think that's why it had the success it had right because mm-hmm. it had that the same way i'm talking about elijah wood storyline and deep impact because that titanic came out around you know a couple years later but around that same time i remember the effect it had on me me thinking how romantic it was and how epic it was. It gave you that feeling in your stomach, like that you were watching something really epic at that age, watching Mm -hmm. it again recently. It's the opposite. It kind of made me mad, but I think it had that for that. Uh, But for, for everybody else, it had this reflection on an event that really happened. Yeah. It was a disaster that really happened that, uh, it only happened because there were corners cut because of money, because of uh, mm-hmm. expediency, because of ignorance, because of pride, because of hubris, because of, you know, it, it wouldn't have happened if we had been better. And then it doesn't, it doesn't flinch from showing you, you know, it's four hours long. Like it doesn't, it doesn't stop showing you what that event was, what that uh, disaster was as an experience. And it takes it takes the time to place the blame, and it takes the time to you know to set set you up where we are in terms of of the human element, and then it also shows you the natural element and what that actually what 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 that actually means. You know, it's so funny because I think you know. So uh, my wife, when I was you know, uh, so I was on tour with uh, Hamilton for for a long time, and we were in Orlando, and uh, my wife. Uh, when I was doing the show one afternoon, she went to this, there was a Titanic museum in Orlando and I have not been, but apparently it's amazing. And she went 
And one of the things they, they have a lot of artifacts that they, they've pulled up from the, from the wreckage. And one of the coolest things that they had that she told me about was they had a recreation of the iceberg. And what they did was, you know, I don't know if it was like dry ice or what, but they, they had the iceberg as like this huge thing. And then they had you apparently stick your hand on, like they're like, touch it just to see how it feels and see if you can hold it for like 10 seconds. And she did it. She didn't get all 10. I think she didn't, she got maybe nine seconds, but she was, it was like, she was like, it's the most painful thing you've ever experienced. And you think about that's what the water felt like all around your body. So I think to your point, I think the beauty of the, the one thing I will say about the Titanic script, um, as ridiculous as it is at, at times is that it spends the entire first, remember how, when the movie came out on VHS, there were two tapes. The first tape is all set up of, of how this could have been avoided man-made wise. The second, the second tape and the second act of the movie is literally these people trying to survive this, this natural storm. Don't you understand? The water is freezing and there aren't enough boats. Not enough by half. Half the people on this ship are going to die. Not the better half. Um, but yes, so uh, back, to the, back to the point. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree, yeah. The first, the first half being one thing and the second half being another. I think what I was saying about, about the romance storyline is, is not so much. The survival element's amazing. The whole sequence from the time it hits the iceberg to trying to figure out what to do, rushing up the ship all the way into the water, like all the way down, is, is great. The stuff where she like jumps back to be with him and abandons her mother who is going to be homeless as soon as she gets ashore. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. she's decided not to, you know, not that she should have ended up with this person, but she she very recklessly runs off with a guy she just met. Very, she she just met him. She like just maybe met him, you know. If she wanted ago. to not marry the guy, it would have been fine. But she she chose not to marry the guy because of you know a seventeen year old Leo that she just met and abandons Here's, everything she's ever known. That's a great question. For that. Do we think if she had not met Leo, would she have married Cal? Well, so the events that take place give her the confidence that she needs to move forward, right? In the end, it's not about Leo. She moves on. She has her long life. She learns how to ride a horse like a man would ride it. Teach me to ride like a man. And chew tobacco like a man. And spit like a man. What, they didn't teach you that in finishing school? Whatever that means. Uh, You know, it it gives her the strength to, to do what she needs to do. But in in the context of what's actually happening, the decisions that she makes on the fly are all based around just trying to get with Leo in a in a recklessly irresponsible way. Her her jumping off the life raft to get back on the ship, abandoning her mother, who she's the only thing her mother has. Her mother's broke. Her mother is alone. Her mother is tied to this fantasy, like on her way to dementia, and she just abandons her. <laughs> Accurate. To go be with Accurate. to go be with Leo, and I think that has nothing to do with Cal. That is is her own recklessness. Just um, a point of order. Just a point of order, really quick. For those, if you are listening and you hear a little drip, 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 it's just some coffee. We're making some oh, coffee right God, now. I'm so coffee. sorry, guys. It's okay. Don't lose it. It's all my fault. Get out of here, Sarah. <laughs> Nothing's her fault. She is more than allowed See, to make it's coffee. It's these close. These close quarters. It's, these, it's the it's the coronavirus quarters, dude. It's the Corona quarters. <laughs> corona quarters. Yeah, we're um, in close Corona quarters. So, um, so yes. I th- I think as far as disaster movies go, what you need in a good disaster movie is uh, a, a, an insurmountable 
force that is separate from you, you know, a, a disaster, something that happens that causes everybody to reassess their reality and pivot quickly and fight back and, and, you know, tackle a challenge that they, they were, it's not, it's not only that the challenge is big, but it's that it's unexpected and sudden. It's something where you're living life, la, 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 la. And then all of a sudden, bam, something bad happens and you're not expecting it. You're not prepared for it. You're not anything. Um, I watched Twister in preparation for this and it was kind of like, it's like what you were saying about Everest. Like they're chasing these storms. The whole movie is about, about the divorce that's happening between these two and it's about their relationship, you know? Um, and it, it does this thing where it's a disaster movie, but it's it's about these two people and Twister, repairing their fallen relationship. Yeah, and it's, Twister, Twister to me is closer to, I think it's, you know, and this is, I think it makes sense because Crichton was, a, I think he was either producer or had something to do with production of Twister, but Jurassic Park. Twister yeah. is more about, you know, it's it's about how this these these things bring the people together, right? Very much the same way that Alan Grant learns to love kids by the end of Jurassic Park. Um, and, and I think that that's great, but I, it, it doesn't, it's not necessarily a disaster movie because they, like, again, they go looking for the disaster. But what I love about, what I love about where that's like the, those stories before Twister starts, there's already a deep relate. There's a relationship story that's already been happening before Jurassic yes. Park starts. There's a problem these people already have. And it's sort of just the, the, the context of the situation allows them to view it in a new light. But it's still just part of them. What what I love about Titanic is that is that Jack and Rose both they come from opposite ends of the societal spectrum. Obviously, um, the disaster is caused by people that Rose is struggling with anyway. Right? It's it's the stuff she's trying to get away from the people and the the reckless wealth and attitude of uh, you know we don't care and everything is whatever. That's what causes the disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and Leo's own struggle with being where he is, he's only put into this precarious situation because of his his status. And so it takes stuff that he's been struggling with and and forces him to to deal I forces him to deal with it in a new Well, I mean he becomes he becomes the casualty of it. I mean that's right. that is, you know, he is like most of the of the you know people in in uh, in third class or steerage um, they are, they are mostly the people who die, you know? Um, so it's, it, I think, yeah, definitely. Those things are so closely intertwined, which yes. is why you feel the gravity, the emotional gravitas, if yes. you will, of, of yes. what's happening where it's, it's not just trying to survive an iceberg crash. It's trying to survive, you know, yeah. society. It's trying to, trying to figure yeah. out you know, when everything's stripped away, like, what are we, what are we valuing? You know, um, I think it's relevant it's like to what's the, happening right like now. <laughs> it's like the iceberg. Yeah, it's like the iceberg is society. It's us. Oh, you know, maybe do you think that when Jordan Peele was writing us, do you think that he looked at Titanic and was like, it's us? Can I tell you name, please, love? Dawson. Rose Dawson. Thank you. But yeah, so okay, so so the the sandwich is uh, it's more of a open face like avocado toast, like 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 an avocado toast, like so it's yeah. it's it's Titanic and it's uh, and it's uh, and it's a little bit of um, Independence Day. Yeah, I think those I are it. great. 
great choices. Um, you know, it occurs to me as we wrap this up, you know, um, I think the thing that makes disaster movies, you know, it makes or breaks disaster movies is, uh, the endings. And I think that disaster movies, uh, you know, not to try to kind of zoom out into our lives, but I think that the thing we can always take from a good disaster movie is the fact that, you know, there is always hope at the, at the end. And I think that whether it's, you know, you know, in deep impact, some that definitely people survive, everyone survives. And I, I know, and I say this to say, if you're listening to this and we, by any chance are still recovering from coronavirus, which I guess I'm pretty sure we will be, uh, for the foreseeable future, just know that there is a light to the end of this. It's not, uh, over. Um, I know it, it can seem crazy and insurmountable and, and large and devastating and it is, but these things come and these things go and and the fact that we're still breathing and you're able to listen to this podcast and all that that is a wonderful thing so um if there's anything we can learn from this these disaster movies it is that to keep going to learn how to ride horses to learn how to spit like a man you and know if, um, if a young handsome if, if if timothy chalamet shows up outside your door do not abandon your family yeah don't for a, for a two-day romp because don't do no, that that's irresponsible yeah, just don't, you know, if, just if you, you just break up with the dude, just break up with the dude, just d- don't marry him. Yeah, don't marry Billy Zane. Just don't do it. You don't have to, you don't have to kill Jack to not marry Billy Zane. Now may I suggest top coats and hats? This is ridiculous. I think that's kind of the, the, the what we're trying to say here. You just, you just be single. <laughs> just be single for a second. Spend you know? some time with yourself. Slow down. Yeah. Slow down. Work on you for Spend, a little bit. Get to know, you make... Know? Make some, make a great avocado toast, you know. Uh, this has been a great little justice, Alex. Always a pleasure, my friend. Always a pleasure. If you, we don't have an email address, we should get something. If you have, reach out to Nick via social media uh, at Nikki Walks and let us know uh, what you want to hear about, what theme, what, what you want us to to debate. Figure uh, feel free to tweet or or Instagram, and uh, we will obviously have a Twitter and Instagram coming uh, very soon. So you know, get on that, and uh, we'll see. We'll see you next time, guys. Stay safe, everybody. Stay safe. Little Justin, little Justin, little Justin. Fuck yeah. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.